this app that we're using for the podcast. I think Spotify might have bought them out. Okay. Because it has like the it has like the Spotify like symbol model. Symbol, but it's purple instead of green. Yes, probably so. Probably so I think I think Spotify bought them out. I was like, and then I got like a email from like YouTube the other day about. I haven't looked into it, but apparently you can do like podcast through YouTube or something. Really? I don't know what, what that is. I don't know. It just said you could. It's like a, like a studio, like a YouTube studio for creating podcasts. I don't know what that means. I don't know if like you can. They have some type of software that you can. Just go through YouTube and create a new podcast through that. I, I haven't really researched enough to really Man, tell YouTube you is getting ginormous. That place is just blowing up. Like growing? Oh, I feel like it's well, I mean, what's so the, much. I mean, you remember like having your I'm about to be iPod like, Touch? I'm and, about like, to let you be like, Joe Rogan. TV. Huh? I mean, you imagine, imagine uh, like we used to have an iPod Touch and have the YouTube like app. And it was like an old school mm-hmm. TV. The TV. You know? I think that old iPad before it... Uh, Oh, I, I like that one the old one, the old yeah. brick one that we have, it uh, used to have like a, for, I think it finally went out. I used to have the old school, old school TV, YouTube yeah, for sure. emblem. <clears throat> but now um, they got TV now, because like we use their TV. Um, they actually really like their TV. Um, I mean, they got YouTube just blown up in general. Like, it's, it's kind of going crazy. Yeah. Uh, let me see. I feel like I'm Jamie on Joe Rogan right now. How many <laughs> videos are uploaded on YouTube per minute? Per minute? Per minute. I think I've heard this stat before, um, and it's pretty crazy. Uh, every minute, there's 2,500 videos that get uploaded to you. 2,500? Per minute. Good Lord. So then you can do the math times 60, where yeah. that comes out to be how many? Probably, what, is that over a million per, per hour? Let me do some. Something like that. Uh, some not mental math. And so it, it's it's pretty... Pretty crazy. Because I, mean, I remember when I was in high school, the first time I heard about YouTube was probably like my sophomore year. And I was like, what the hell is YouTube? And then obviously it's... 3.6 million. 3.6 million day. videos per, <laughs> per day. Per day. Per day. Because uh, I mean, doesn't Google own YouTube? YouTube? I think they do. Maybe I think Google owns YouTube. Uh, but then right now they got all that. Have you messed with any of that AI stuff? Like the... Chat no, but T, whatever they call it, chat PT or whatever it's called. Are you talking about like uh, how they can like make anybody say whatever or like? Well, I know like for instance, like if you were like in high school, you're like, hey, I want a history paper on George Washington, and uh-huh. it needs to be one thousand words. It would li- it literally will do it like right then, huh? like instantly. Like yeah. write your paper. It could do anything you want, right? So like for instance, or if you want it to like, hey, give me um, information on this figure topic, let's get it right out, right? Or like, hey, what's the Meaning to life, right? Like you can ask like all these different questions to it. It'll right? answer. It'll answer, right? Yeah. What it, now, now, what basically what it does is like, it's like a souped up Google, is what it is to it. Okay. You think about it, right? So all it's doing is scanning the internet for all this information, right, and then formulating its, it's opinion best. on whatever it may be off the information they can find off. So what is this called? It's like Chat GPT or something like that. I'm not uh, some along those lines. I yeah, could, I'm could be saying wrong. I know there's like different versions of it. There's even like some those AI bots now. You can like tell like, hey, draw me a picture of, you know, Kale standing next to George Washington on the Revolutionary Battlefield. And it'll do it. And it would do that. What? You know, like that's it, not great. It's it's crazy shit like that. Or like they even, I mean, I think they had like these different videos like, which is it's gonna get, which I know like the government's trying to like, <clears throat> somehow, regulate some of that stuff yeah. because the amount of power it's going to have eventually. Because I think even. It like uh, I don't remember the name of the test that doctors have to take. Um, okay. The pass, you know, kind of like the bar exam yeah. for lawyers, where the name of that test is for doctors, and it passed at like a seventy percent. 
which I don't I think 80% is like passing, almost passed the doctorate test, like if you're an actual doctor, right? And so it's it's kind of those deals like where in more of this stuff gets sophisticated, it's like at what point in time do you get rid of having to use these certain manpowers? These I was certain jobs? Saying, you rid, get rid of real doctors. Getting <laughs> yes, I'm saying like you're getting like this. You're just going to listen to a robot to you know to diagnose yeah. you, so to speak. That's kind of nuts, though, man. Which it will eventually get to that point in time. I think you know whether it be by the time my kids get to how my age now is, where I guarantee you probably there's going to be that point in time where the, the technology's gotten so sophisticated to where you know a robot can probably scan you. And, and figure out what's wrong. And the human error is, is so much lower, right? Because you can get misdiagnosed or whatever it may be, and that can cause either people to die or you know, prolong the healing process that much longer because the, the misdiagnosis that you're, that you're given. And so a robot being able to, be able to immediately diagnose what the problem is and you'd be able to immediately take care of the issue. That's nice. So it's all, it's, but I know the government's trying to get in and regulate that because the amount, I mean, it's even, could be even scary, like, you know, what point in time can this stuff formulate its own opinion about it? It's almost like Terminator. Well, Terminator, <laughs> so to speak. Like, it's kind of like moving in that direction. It's kind of weird to think about. Like, I mean, have you ever seen Terminator? Yeah. You know, like the whole premise is that robots take over the world, so to speak, and these things start formulating its own opinions and things of that nature. doing its own little deal. Yeah, and, you know, almost making human a prisoner trying to save all its own mankind. You have to save the humans from themselves, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see it getting to a point to where it's like, it's doing crazy shit like that. You know, you know? who this would probably be like a five-hour podcast with? Shaw. Justin Shaw. Shaw. If we Shaw got on this topic Shaw. right now, oh my God. <laughs> hey, in podcast. about two hours, we're going to get a text message. <laughs> hey, I would have been a great podcast <laughs> Going off on the rails right here, the Conspiracy Theory Podcast. Um, and so that, that would be interesting. Um, but anyways... Um, Finally, got to walk a little bit on the on the yeah, this week. We got all crit moving around now. A little huh? bit. So I'm hoping here in about two to three weeks, I'll maybe back to fully walking. I'm hoping. Like walking. Worst case scenario, probably like another three and a half to four weeks. But like without the crutches, or like walking with the crutches, just putting weight on it. So this, I'm about two and a half weeks post surgery now. Um, the my game plan is as of right now, is at week four which is about a week and a half away. I'll try to progress maybe a couple days, maybe three or four days of kind of like fully walking on the leg where I'm like kind of walking normally, but with crutches. Mm-hmm. And then maybe a couple days of maybe getting rid of one crutch. Have one. And then just doing one crutch for a few days and then progressing to uh, walking with the brace on for a few days and then progressing to no brace. Okay. So it's probably going to take about a week and a half to progress that. So between four and six is the ideal time frame that I can go back to full that's weight bearing. That's starting to get real cool. Yeah, full weight bearing into full walking. And then once I get past six weeks, that's kind of like the the green light to, hey, like now we're starting to progress into like trying to get into like movements, like like actually like partial like squatting a little bit of squat biking maybe a little bit to a degree things like that jog nature. action no maybe not no jog and that's probably that's going to be like the last stage okay so I'll probably end up being like build a back squat and front squat and things of that nature before I can even get into like running and jumping okay that's probably going to be the very last thing if I had to had to assume and so um, but I mean it's going I mean the, these crutches are a big pain in the ass oh yeah for sure this the biggest thing is like I can't really well, first off, getting anywhere is a pain in the ass. And, like, my armpits are rubbing raw from the damn things. Uh, but also, like, 
for instance, like trying to carry a water cup to get water or like trying to do anything like have a bowl and like, I can't like crutch and carry. That's what I'm like, saying. It's like, it's almost like an impossible task. Like squeezing your armpit and like, no. No, it's, it's a pain in the ass. And so that's, that's more anything. I'm ready to get away from the crutches more than anything else. And then I'm not, I haven't been too antsy about trying to like get back at it. I've been trying to keep the mindset of making sure this thing like is let it run its course. healing properly. And that's, it's going to be tougher when I get past. I feel like once you're able to start moving and stuff, then you're going to start wanting to do it more often. Well, and that's, and that's going to be the tougher part. When I kind of get clear past that six week and that six to 12 week marker in that range is going to be really tough because like, obviously I want to progress it as fast as I possibly can, mm-hmm. but inside the parameters that I'm given and not pushing it too hard, yeah. right? Immediately out the gate. And so I'm going to try to be intelligent as, as possible, you know, and obviously bounce ideas off the PT and things of that nature. But um, it's a work in progress. It'll take time, but I'm hoping by... My goal, I'm shooting for like towards the end of June that I can probably hopefully get back into full swing of things. June? Hopefully. By the end of June. Like <clears throat> early July, late June in that time frame is what, what, what I'm trying to shoot for. Realistic goal. Yeah. So that's what that's kind of the goal right now. And so um, so I guess the, the topic that we're kind of we'll jam on here today, and I guess maybe a little bit more of a controversial topic, I guess, to a degree, is have you heard about this whole Ozempic shot? What? Ozempic. Ozempic? Ozempic. Ozempic. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. Ozempic. Ozempic. All right. No, I'm not. Uh, so essentially, it's the shot that everybody's taking for weight loss. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's the name of the shot. That's yeah. the most popular. I mean, I know there's different versions yeah, out there. The diabetic shot. Yeah, the diabetic okay. shot. I know they've re... I think they've rehashed it. Because I think at first it was like a pure diabetic shot, and they've rehashed it out to be more like a different version name of it. That's different now that now marketed towards like weight loss yeah. per se. Um, I think like early on, like I said, it was more of like a pure diabetic shot, and they just basically rebranded it as like a, a weight loss drug mm-hmm. now. Um, well, that way and, they can give it to more than just yeah 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 yeah. And so uh, so obviously it's, it's called fire the last. I don't know, it seems like the past like six months or so that's really kind of caught fire and like more and more people are on it. Like I know even Jamie Monroe, who's a pharmacist, I think at, I don't know, one of these farms, one of the mm-hmm. Walgreens or something like that, was saying <clears throat> they literally couldn't keep it on the shelves. Like they had to get a like whole, that fast. They had to get a whole new freezer because <clears throat> they were having to stock up that much more. They had to buy a whole new freezer to stock up on it. That's nuts. And... You know, which is kind of a little bit of a, a tragedy to a degree because you're saying people who truly need it, like actual diabetics, were having a hard time finding, finding it. Finding it, Because so many people were getting it um, for the weight loss purposes. And she's like, people are nuts. Like, people literally scream at me because we don't have it in stock. What? Yeah. And so, um, and even some people that, I know like insurance companies have gotten a little bit different on it and things of that nature. I'm not all into the, the exactly what insurances are covering it and who has to pay it out of pocket. But some people are having to pay like a thousand, like up to like $1,400 out of pocket, out of pocket. a month for the shot. And like, I cannot imagine them. I mean, is it one of those things money. where you have to like, like it's not just a one, one time shot. I imagine like, right. No, it's, like it's a reoccurring. It's a reoccurring. Let me, three weeks I don't want to get time. your Jamie on. How often do you, cause I, ma- I imagine you can't just take it one time and it just like, no, it's not a one time shot. The, my guess is six weeks. How long? Uh, it might be a little long. What is this how long? It says roughly 17 months. 17 months? It says, well, all the time, it's how long do you need to take the Ozempic shot? It says, a study has completed for after 68 weeks of treatment, roughly 17 months. The dose used for the semaglutide is 2.4 milligrams per week. 
The step two study found that the semiglutide helped participants lose about 10% of their body weight after 68 weeks. Um, so about a year? How, but I wonder how long, how often do you have to take it? Um, how often It's got to be like what, twice a month, once a month? See, I'm, I'm trying to, once a week. Once a week? Yeah. Yeah, take it every week. I'm pretty sure you have to put it into your stomach. Like a like your belly, just like a diabetic shot. Huh? Like you have so like for instance, when you have to take a diabetic shot, you have to kind of like squeeze your belly and you have to take, put a needle. Right oh no, no. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No shot. I'm doing that. Yeah, and so, uh, so I wanted to kind of, you know, give my my take on it so to a degree, and and because obviously it's a hot topic right now with a lot of people, because more and more people are, well, are uh, trying to. Well, the more you talk, the more people are going to want to do it. Well, like I said, more people read about this. Right this is you know. This is kind of like rehashed, like back in the early 2000s and even 90s, what was really popular was, uh, God, I lost it. Um, You're going to say hydroxycut or something? No, not hydroxycut. That, that's a, that was an over-accounted thing. <laughs> uh, Adipex. Adipex? Adipex was another, another weight loss drug. That, all, all these simply are to a degree. What, what ends up happening is it's, it's an appetite suppressant. You know, um, Because you're taking the shot, like I said, I don't, I'm not all gonna go into like the scientific thing because I don't feel like I'm comfortable enough. I'm probably gonna not say things properly in the scientific portion of it. But essentially what it comes down to is the fact of the matter that you're end up suppressing your appetite so much the fact that you don't want to eat obviously mm -hmm. because of it, right? You're eating very little because of the shot that you're taking. Um, and also what I was listening to the other day and that they were talking about this was in a shot was that you know, ideally, when you're if you're doing these things properly and you're losing weight, ideally, probably somewhere around seventy to eighty percent of the weight loss that you have, if you're doing it properly, should come from fat. Uh -huh. So seventy, let's say I lose twenty pounds, roughly 15, 16, 70 pounds should of that weight loss should purely come from fat if done properly. And you know, a little bit five, three pounds of that will probably be some type of skeletal muscle mass because. Anytime you're in some type of caloric deficit, at the end of the day, when you're in that caloric deficit, your body needs to feed off something because of the output you're so putting it's out. So it's gonna it needs something to fuel the system. It's gonna come from either a fat source or a muscle source. But if you do it too quickly and you drop your your calories dramatically down very fast, that the likelihood of you losing muscle goes way higher. Mm -hmm. And what they're finding is in these people who were on this Ozempic shot, that they're losing anywhere from 60 to 70% muscle mass. 60%? 60 to 70% of their weight loss is coming from muscle mass and not body fat. So essentially, what ended up happening, if you were to do like an in-body scan, is your body percentage would probably go up. Even though you've lost, let's say maybe you lost 30 pounds, your body fat percentage would technically be higher. Because you've lost so much muscle mass? Because you've lost so much skeletal muscle mass. And by percentage of your body weight comes, is now more fat than it is muscle mass. So by the in-body by the scan, your body percentage should actually go higher, even though you're technically lighter than what you were. That's which pretty crazy. Which is pretty crazy to think about, right? And I feel like they wouldn't want that. Like doctors and shit. You would think that. Right? But if it... And in, in to a degree, in, it, it's a little bit of a counterbalancing act where if you have somebody that is, let's say somebody's 300 pounds 
and they lose 70 pounds off this shot. Even though their body fat percentage may be higher, are they at a healthier weight in general that might make them so-called healthier? It's a possibility. Maybe. You could make that argument definitely you know, for somebody. Um, the, the, the problem that – and the thing is like I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. And obviously the, the problem is – let me rewind – is I'm okay with somebody taking that shot and they can use it as a springboard to get them and accelerate them into a healthier lifestyle. Where if I can take the shot for one month, two months, three months, or something like that, and Just because, to give a little boost. it gives me a boost and it maybe financially incentivizes me to want to take on a healthier lifestyle, especially if I'm out of pocket paying $1,000 a month. That because of that, I'm going to take on an exercise regimen consistently. I'm going to sleep better and I'm going to take on better nutritional habits. And that allows me to get into a healthy lifestyle. I think that's a great thing to do. I don't, is it ideal on a moral standpoint and a little bit to me? Maybe not. But if it allows you to springboard into that action, I can say, okay, I can see an argument for that. I'd be, I'd be willing to but say you, that. You can get around to being like, okay, I can understand what you do. But the problem is, is that that's so few people. I was like, how many people do it the first time yeah. and then just rely on the shot? Exactly. Like how many people are taking this Ozempic like shot? Like and not actually change your lifestyle. And not doing any type of lifestyle change. And once again, even, even though it's not as relevant anymore as it was probably 10, 20 years ago, it was the lap band surgery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how many people that you saw lost 100 pounds, 150 pounds on lap band? for you know, a handful of years Three later years. to put all the weight back on again, yeah. right? And I think, I don't know what the suicide rate is on people who've gotten lap band, but it's, it's, it's a pretty high rate, high rate because of the fact like you're kind of using this as like a last-ditch effort in your eyes. Mm-hmm. And once that last-ditch effort fails, you know, obviously depression, things of that nature yeah. start to happen. And so, and that's, and that's where the, the problem comes into play is that people take it as a substitution or replacement to exercise and nutrition, right? And that's where the problem lies is that, you know, once you fast forward year, you know, year, two years, three years down the road and you're going, and you've never changed anything lifestyle wise, all that weight is going to come back on, if not more, probably more than likely. I was about to ask, like, I mean, think about like a year, like probably losing like, 15 to 20 mm-hmm. pounds of muscle probably at that point. And you've lost more skeletal muscle. You put yourself yeah. into a deeper hole than what you started before the shot in the first place. And there's no telling long-term studies-wise, people okay. taking the shot health-wise, what it's going to do to them. Mm-hmm. And do they have studies on it? Is this just like I don't know if there's any, not that, I, not that I've heard of, of any long-term studies on this shot. Okay, so this right? is like, like so For a, somebody who's not actually diabetic, taking the shot, what will it do to you, like for instance, like your pancreas, things of that nature, down the road for something like yeah. this. And that was kind of my question. I was like, what if you're not diabetic? Like what, mm-hmm. what's it feeding off of? What's yeah. it like I said, I'm not going to speak out of my ass about scientific, on the scientific side of things, like all the moving parts biologically wise, because um, I'm not on yeah. that level to really speak on that. But if you think about just on the surface, like how much 
you could be putting yourself on a hole down the road if you do not take care of the things you know you need to take care of. And it always blows my mind that people people will bitch about paying a hundred dollar plus a month gym membership, but have no fucking problem spending a thousand dollars, fourteen hundred dollars a month for a fucking shot. Yeah. Excuse my language. You should listen to the car, but it, yeah. but it really it pisses me off a lot that people will find the money for something if it matters enough to them, mm-hmm. you know. And it's kind of one of those things where if you're going to pay that kind of money for something that because you're just trying to make a quick fix, then that's not. I have a I have a morally, I have a moral problem with that. Yeah. And it's always funny how people will, will run circles around what actually has to be done. And I've had this conversation probably about three times in the past two weeks because a little bit of the Ocific shot topic has been brought up. That's the reason I want to kind of do a podcast on it because I've had family members who are on it and things of that nature. And, you know, the, the, the equation to this, the, the problem to the solution of weight loss and a lot of the health problems that we have today can all be t- in anybody anybody who's truly an, an actual understands the science and the, and the doctor of this will truly tell you that no medication will outdo the potency of you sleeping regularly, sleeping enough hours throughout the night, exercising regularly, and eating a, nutri- a whole food nutritional diet. That's in a we're eating whole foods in a quantity enough to maintain a healthy body weight. No drug can outdo that whatsoever, and people will run circles of every reason why they cannot do those three simple things. Mm-hmm. And the equation is simple, but in practice is a lot harder. Yeah. Because I don't think truly people comprehend the amount of time that has to be spent on a weekly basis to truly take control of your health. And the choices mm-hmm. you have to make on a daily basis to take control of your health. It isn't very complex. I think people try to make it complex because of the fact that they're not seeing results. And there's a reason why, because the equation's too complex for them to see the results they want. When actually it's very, very simple for the most part. And it's it's sacrificing. I say sacrificing. I don't even like to use that word, but it's it's making the choice of putting time in your schedule, minimum of three, upwards to five or six days of moving you know, minimum of 30 minutes or more, sacrificing time weekly to prepare food, Mm -hmm. and then making the choices daily to eat that food that you've prepped ahead of time, right? And not eating out and not partaking in work events where somebody brings in pizza for lunch and you're going out and you're you're participating in that event. You're not drinking alcohol on a regular basis and all these different factors that are coming to play, but the choices that you're making, and it has to be done on a daily basis for weeks and for months and for years. And that's not an easy, I'm not saying it's like it's an easy task because it's not, but the problem is relatively simple. Until you can truly understand how much you're not doing, then you're never going to see the true results you want. And yeah. I think so I think many that's people... that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And, like uh, actually realize what you're not doing. Yeah, realize like what you're not doing. And the thing is like you have to find balance of what's going to make you happy. I'm not saying that you could never not eat out. I'm not saying you never can't drink alcohol. But the, the thing is, is there's a balance depending on what you want. And the, the further you want to go down the path, the more extreme you want to take your fitness, the more sacrifices have to be made. And then I'll say on the other side of the spectrum, the, the more you want to partake in those different things, 
then that's also going to give other mm-hmm. things. There's no free passes in life. You give some to take some. And you have to find what's going to make you happy. And I think, obviously, most people want to fall somewhere in that middle. You know, like, hey, I know I could could probably be leaner and be more fit and probably be a little bit healthier. But also, it's going to make me sacrifice some other things where I don't want to do all that. But I feel like I'm in a healthy enough range body fat-wise. And I do enough to, to where I'm, I'm in a good range. I'm happy with that. And that's fine. But you have to truly understand that. And you can't complain about the things that you're not doing to get to a certain different area, right? And so, uh, and, and people who obviously, uh, who don't do anything for their health, right? They are a prisoner in their own body, so to speak, right? They're not making any decisions on a health standpoint. They don't realize like how much their own body weight is holding them back throughout right. life, right? And I think we're at, you know, as, as, a, as a general society, as like on a technology system, right? In the past 80 to 100 years, we've almost like almost doubled the life expectancy of a human, right? Like if you, once again, let me, let me jamie it real quick. Like, let me see like what the life expectancy, what was the life expectancy in 1900? 46. 46 to 48 was the life expectancy of a normal person. And when? This is 1900. 1900. So you're talking 123 years ago. The life expectancy was around 45 to 50 years old. Okay. What is the life expectancy in 2023? The life expectancy in 2023 is almost 80. 80. 79.11. So in literally 120 years, we've almost Almost doubled the life expectancy in that time frame. And so it's, it's... because of obviously the advances in technology that we've had, right? And a, and a lot of this technology has all been due to the fact of treating disease, right? So like any viruses or plagues, right? So like a plague that could have killed millions of people in a, in a you know, a country, we've got vaccines for those now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, drugs take care of those different things. Or you get in a car crash, right? And we have the technology now to hopefully heal you and bring you back to life, things of that nature, right? And because of that, we've advanced that. But one thing that we have not done, and which I think will slowly but surely get to that point in time where is understanding the, the slow death, right? Mm-hmm. So we've taken care of a lot of the fast death problems now, but we haven't done is taking care of the, the slow death problems. So like if somebody dies of a heart attack, at 60 years old, it was kind of asymptomatic. They didn't really show a whole lot of signs and symptoms. That wasn't something that happened overnight. That was something that, that's caused for the past 10, 20, 30 years that was killing them slowly over that time. And then that one day, obviously they dropped, oh, right? And it's isn't it that education standpoint, like truly understanding of how to prevent that, right? Yeah. And, the only, and the only true way to, to do that is obviously the lifestyle that you live, right? Because a lot of that, I mean, the number one killer in the United States right now, I think almost the United States of the world is cardiovascular disease, mm-hmm. right? Which can pretty much always be prevented from a healthy lifestyle, right? And so, and that's been the, that's the number one killer right now in the world. And so, slowly, I think over a period of time, more and more people will start to realize that. But right now, we're we're still plagued by so many people trying to do everything in the power not to take control of 
of those things that need to be taken control of. And um, like I said, it's, it's not an easy thing, but uh, something that's gonna take time for people to start to realize, so. Is that like a, so is this little thing like, can every state have, or is it like state regulated? Or like, what, the Ozender shot? Yeah. Um, I think right now, I mean, this is, so a lot of it has to do with. Like what's the qualifications for you to get it? So they're relatively from what, because me and my sister were talking about this a couple months ago is, and like I said, I don't know on the insurance side of things, like I know if they're for a little while, they were kind of clamping down on it. And then, you know, the other day, someone was saying they've kind of loosened back up on it again, but it was almost like you had to be pre-diabetic, which is pretty much like, you know, high hypertension, high blood pressure, things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, you had to be overweight, which okay. a lot of people are. And there was like one other factor in there. It was like three factors, but pretty much 90% of the American population probably fell within those parameters, right? So a lot of people were following with this umbrella to quote unquote classify for this shot. Um, but I mean, shit, even Jamie was saying, shit, I've had girls coming their way 130, 130 pounds going to get the like shot. Taking? Yeah, taking a shot. And, uh, and, and it just, I don't know. It just, it's one of those things that it just, it never fails that people will do everything that just um, take easier. Yeah, let me see if I can find exactly what is what qualifies me for for weight loss. Okay. Um. Says a BMI of twenty seven kilograms or higher. Okay. Have at least one weight related disease or a BMI of thirty kilograms. Uh, or higher. So, I mean, it, it all has to do, for the most part, at least like a little bit of what Google says. With your, like, BMI. It weight. has to do with basically if you're overweight, okay. right? And so, um, most people take Ozempic for weight loss safely, but there are some medicines and medical conditions that might make it unsuitable for you due to increased safety risk. And so, it's, it's just one of those things. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's this is just becoming a thing. So, like, is this this is a newer thing? Like, they just started um, doing this, or is this like a newer say, thing that everybody's starting to figure out? I want to say about? it's definitely been within the past year that it's really kind of caught fire. Um, I I forgot the name of this girl. That's like an actress or something like that. She played on. I'm pretty sure it was the girl off The Office. Have you ever watched The Office? Yeah. Who's the Indian girl? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I think she was kind of like the, one of the first people out there, kind of like talking about it. And I think it is kind of like snowballed into like more and more people kind of getting on it and then like obviously more people are talking about it and things of that nature and uh and i think it's like over the past six months to a year in that time frame it's it's and then obviously you kind of you hear about this one person taking it and this person starts taking it and you know we're gonna have like two or three family members who are taking oh, it so you get one family member takes it and they tell the other family mm-hmm. member then the other family member takes it like, yeah but i mean it's just if throughout even just my lifetime i mean how many things have been pushed out there as like the new weight loss yeah. thing that people will hop on? Every like, right? I feel like it's like every like three years, like every two or three years, there's like something new that kind of pops up. Yeah, always, and it, it never fails. And you know, whether it be a new hashed out diet, um, it's always. And the thing is, like at the end of the day, every diet pill and every diet out there all comes down to the same general principle or caloric restriction Yeah. at the end of the day. Because just like we talked about earlier in the podcast, the Ozempic shot is an appetite suppressant. And because the fact you're not eating as much, you're obviously you're restricting the amount of calories that you're consuming in a day. Yeah. Right? So obviously hence the amount of weight loss. Is it done in a way that you're... A lot of people are 
taking the shot and they're decreasing their, their appetite is getting so suppressed that they're cutting calories down so much and so dramatically as to why they're losing That's the skeletal muscle mass so, so much quickly. Weight, so much, so yeah. Faster, right? Because ideally, you know, like, like a simple, like a very simplistic way is if you were to multiply your body weight by like 12, that's about a healthy caloric intake for you to take in. That would be put you into a caloric deficit hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Is it an exact number? No, but it gets you in the ballpark. Of multi- that body weight times 12 will be roughly that number. Um, and the thing is like with that shot is that the calories are getting so far down so quickly. So let's say somebody's averaging 2,500 calories uh, a day, say average about mm-hmm. like Monday through Sunday. That may be, their appetite is so suppressed they're taking like under 1,000. Oh God. And because of that, when you, when, you, when you cut caloric restriction that far down that quickly, that the body has to operate on something to survive, right? You're not just going to drop dead because of the fact you didn't eat anything. Yeah. The reason why you have body fat is reserve stores essentially is what it is. You have reserved energy in the gas tank, right? So you have like a backup gas tank. It's, it's kind of what body fat is essentially because – as famine starts to happen, right, your body hasn't evolved that much in the past thousands and thousands of years. That as famine starts to hit, if you have stored body fat, your body can then operate on that until you've introduced food at some point in time. And so because the fact the calories have dropped so quickly so fast that obviously it, it, it uses things in reserve and muscle being one of those things mm-hmm. as something as an energy source for your body to feed off of. And that's why it's very crucial that when you cut calories down, you're doing it in an appropriate way at a slow enough rate that you retain the skeletal muscle mass that you have. Yeah. And if you ultimately the day, I guess you don't give a shit about that. I guess who ultimately cares? I mean, I would make the argument that you should care about having skeletal muscle yeah. mass because of general health and longevity of having skeletal muscle mass and, well, and, and strength and things of that nature. Like we talked about yesterday, like 15, 20 years down the road, like you're gonna wish you had it, right? Yeah, because I mean as you get older, skeletal muscle mass becomes so much more important, right? Like I would say most younger people you know say you know 20 to 40 years old in that range right there if they've worked out somewhat consistently on a regular basis they probably have enough general strength you know for the most part i wouldn't say that always being the case but um but probably some people lack also the cardiovascular I mean, especially guys probably mm-hmm. as they get in their 20s and 30s you get more into like the bro scene right their cardiovascular condition is not probably optimal but once you get past that 40 marker right like the, the skeletal muscle mass that you have becomes that much more important um, because the things like as you as you age and things like walking and stepping or like doing physical labor requires general strength and if you don't have that it's only going to regress as you get older yeah. right and so that's why we had that conversation yesterday and so um, I don't know where we were talking about before that but um, but yeah obviously because you, you're restricting calories so quickly you lose skeletal muscle mass but you want to do it in a way that you're retaining most of your skeletal muscle mass, like we said earlier, should around 70 80% of your weight loss should come from body fat and not skeletal muscle mass if you're doing it appropriately. Um, but in these cases with a shot, that's not being the case, yeah. So, um, anything else that we need to talk about with that? I don't want to so. talk in circles too and much. And more of the story are we pro or are we not pro? I mean, I would say, circumstantial. Definitely, I would say definitely I was leaning towards one to be anti, anti shot, obviously. Um, with the caveat of saying if you can use it as a springboard to shoot yourself into a healthier lifestyle, I say green light, go for it. Okay. It's just not the case for most people. Yeah. And I think if 
you know, if the person's plan is not to take on a healthier lifestyle, they're just doing it solely for the purpose of losing weight because it's easier just to take the shot. You're on a road eventually down that you're going to go down eventually down this road that uh, you're probably setting yourself for even worse disaster, you know, five years down the road. Yeah, and you're going to regret it, in my opinion, if you don't take care of it. So I do think if you take this Ozempic shot and you take on a healthier lifestyle, you probably will be able to offset some of that skeletal muscle mass that you lose. Mm -hmm. I do still think you're going to lose it at a rate that's probably not optimal. Um, you're probably going to lose more than you what you want. But let's say maybe you go from like 67% down to maybe like 30 or 40%. That's still a lot of skeletal muscle mass that you're losing. Yeah. And so you can probably offset that some to a degree if you're lifting weights regularly and you're eating enough general protein. Uh, which I'm is about probably, to say, I wonder how hard it would be to like force what, feed yourself. Which is going to be harder to do because of the appetite. You're not going to want to eat. You know? What do you got to think when, let's say for instance, like when you're sick. Yeah. You don't want to eat, dude. You don't, last thing you want to eat is probably fucking protein. Yeah. You probably eat more things like crackers, cereal, like bread. bread, things that are like more starchy carbs that are like easier to crunch on and more palatable to eat. Protein's not pretty high on the list. Anybody who's normally sick doesn't want to proud on a steak. Yeah. And so more than likely they're not eating enough protein because of that either. And you're, you're going to make it a, a lot more difficult, but could you offset some of that? Probably to a degree. But, um, but once again, like if people don't plan on taking it's the not heavy consistently it's not do, I don't feel like. No, not in the long run. So, uh, so hopefully you guys got some information out of this. Maybe you can send it to a family member who's currently taking the Ozempic shot. You Maybe should they, definitely do that. The, uh, <laughs> so like, and like I said, it's not that I'm like demonizing the shot itself. I'm more so saying you, need to, take, you need to take it as a springboard to launch yourself into a yeah. hospital. And if you don't plan on doing that, you're setting yourself up for failure sure. at the end of it. It's kind of more the, the subject line of this more than anything else. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Sure.